Action Church, welcome to week three of Living on Leftovers. Before we get into week three, got a few exciting things that I want to make you aware of. Your location pastor mentioned today, today is the start of small group sign-up week. We believe, we just believe in the power of relationship, our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. You are not uh, getting all that you and your family can get out of Action Church unless you are serving on the A-team or you are involved in a small group or both. That This is a large church that becomes really, really small and relational once you get out of rows and into some of the circles that we create in team and in small groups. And the next week, the next few weeks are a really exciting time to be a part of Action Church. Uh, we haven't announced this yet. First time we're announcing it. Next Sunday night, Encounter Night, right here at our Winter Park location with special worship guest Mac Brock is gonna be in the house next week. If you were in NOA last year, last night, Mac is a phenomenal worship leader, uh, travels all around the world, writes and tours with Hillsong and all different types of people, and uh, he is a great guy, gonna lead us into the presence of God. I'm just here to tell you, you may wanna get here early next week at our Winter Park location. We will have overflow set up, we will have childcare, but if you're late and you don't get a seat, blame someone as the person in the mirror that showed up late for encounter night with Mac Brock. And then lastly, February 16th is a big day in the history of Action Church. Lights, camera, action is starting. Make sure you're inviting people. <laughs> inviting people. And then uh, uh, South Orlando is launching that day. Phenomenal outreaches in South Orlando and across all of our communities yesterday. And then we're starting here at our Winter Park location, uh, a Sunday night service. Action Steps is moving to the evening at 5 p.m. to make room for traffic flow on Sunday morning. Come on, we're getting better at parking here at Winter Park. Uh, Action Steps is moving to 5 and a Sunday p.m. service at 6 p.m. Again, with extended, extended ministry and worship after the message um, if you'd like to uh, worship God and encounter God in that way. Living on Leftovers, part three. I'm gonna ask it every single week because it's, uh, it's in my notes and it's a part of the series. How many of you, how many of you love leftovers? Come on. The number's going up. Like I, I sense like marriage, uh, marriage healing and reconciliation in Jesus' name. I, I, I'm initiating some tough conversations in some homes over these four weeks and I just feel like we're getting better. We, we live sometimes on leftovers, both in our refrigerators and in our life. And, and at my house, uh, we, we do leftovers uh, very rarely. Um, we bring them home every single time. Uh, Steph leaves them in the car or in the fridge and we talked about they, they begin to grow things and we're living on the leftovers. If you're new with us, how many of you have ever opened your fridge, and again, this looks like college. We had some Mountain Dew this week. Thank you so much, creative team and events team. Uh, we probably just borrowed this fridge from somebody's office. Like, this is literally somebody's stuff in here. How many of you have ever opened your refrigerator and said this, I have nothing to eat? And it may be because you're ungrateful and entitled and you just have healthy stuff left and you're like, no, where, where's the ice cream? Or two, it's because it's just full of leftovers. Like it's full of things that just don't, don't quite pass the smell test. Like it's, it's food and it was good in one season of its existence, but it's no longer good for today. And spiritually speaking, missionally speaking, relationally speaking today, too many of us are living on what God did or what we did or what we put in in previous seasons. And I'm just here to tell you that, that leftovers are okay 
but they're never meant to be a long-term solution. They have a shelf life, they have an expiration date, and some of us are not fulfilled spiritually with the mission and the purpose of the local church or in our relationships because we are not adding anything fresh. We're living we're living on the leftovers, and we decided over the past couple weeks that we've got to add some fresh ingredients to our diet. Spiritually speaking, we're gonna keep it simple. We're gonna be people of prayer and people in the word of God and people of gratitude. And then last week we talked about the mission of Action Church celebrating our, our six-year anniversary. And, and if you missed last week, I know I say this a lot, but last week, was a foundational message for Action Church, the mission of Action Church. And we decided there's a seat for everyone as long as we are unified in the mission that God has called us to at the, as a local church. We need some fresh ingredients. We can no longer live on the leftovers. That's what I wanna talk about today. I wanna continue in uh, 1 Thessalonians and Psalm 133. And I wanna talk about those five ingredients we talked about last week. If you remember, they were honor, unity, correction, encouragement, and compassion. Last week we really dove in and talked about honor and unity. We're gonna get there in just a moment, but today I wanna dive into the last three, correction, encouragement, and compassion, both for the mission of our church, but specifically today for all of our relationships. Let's be reminded of God's word for this series, 1 Thessalonians chapter five, starting in verse one. It says, now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and the night, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because their work, because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Verse 14 again. Warn those who are lazy. That's that correction. Encourage those who are timid. That's encouragement. Take tender care, compassion of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Some fresh ingredients we find in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. And the, what I wanna basically paint the picture today is last week was the posture of our heart. Last week was our, our, our perspective. Last week was, was is how we filter things through. And we talked about honor and we talked about unity. And today I wanna talk about the how-tos of encouragement, correction, and then compassion. 
But before we get there, I really want to put the filter of unity back on our church, uh, on the mission of our church. And I even think specifically today for our marriages, for our families, for our friendships, for all relationships that we have. I think there's a, a beautiful picture of harmony and unity back in Psalm 133 that I think is perfect for small group sign-up week as we talk about the importance of relationships. In relationships, we need to honor people and we need to be unified in the mission of relationships. Psalm 133, verse one, says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers, in other translations, brothers and sisters, live together in harmony or unity. For harmony, get this, is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there, it's important, there where there's harmony and anointing and unity, there the Lord has pronounced his blessing. I don't know about you, but I wanna be a part of a church that is blessed. I wanna be part of a, of a home that is blessed. I wanna be part of, of friendships and relationships that are blessed. And what we need is we need the presence of God represented here by the anointing oil, and we need unity and harmony in our relationships, even life everlasting. How, what do we get from this? Well, it says that harmony is as precious, unity is as precious as the anointing oil that flowed from Aaron's head down his beard and to the outer parts of his robe. Aaron would have been a priest from the tribe of Levi. And in the Old Testament, uh, priests were the only ones that could go into the presence of God, into the holy of holies and make atonement, reconciliation, make sacrifices for people's mistakes and their sin. So what it's saying here is the anointing oil, the, the presence of God that goes from Aaron's head to his beard to his outer garments is as precious as harmony. There's, there is power and there's something precious about the spirit of God in our relationships and that you cannot have honor, harmony, and unity without the presence of God. And it says it flows down from his head, so it has to start somewhere. It starts with you, and you make a decision that I am gonna be anointed, I am gonna live in harmony, I am gonna be a person of unity, but it says it doesn't stop at his head, it flows down his beard into the outer parts of his robe. Well, if you study the garments of a priest, you know that there are 12 stones in a priest's garment representing the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of the people of God. And so this anointing, this, this, this presence of God, this power, if you will, did not stop at the priest, did not stop at the super spiritual people. When God touched somebody, it was not meant to touch, just touch one person. It was meant to spread out to all people. There is power, thank you so much. There's some, some teaching going on. You're like, well, where's the table? Where's the funny guy? No, we're going deep today in Psalm 133. Like, what's anointing oil? Pastor Joseph will explain on Monday nights or Tuesday nights coming very, very soon. Sign up for his group, Theology 101. I don't know what he's calling it, but it's gonna be great. It says harmony, get this. Let's keep going. Harmony or unity is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And if you don't know any better, you would think that these two places are close. So the same dew, catch this, the same dew that falls on Mount Hermon falls on Mount Zion. But a simple study of geography would show that those mountains are 200 miles apart, one in the north and one in the south. 
one at the north border and one at the south border. So the same oil that flowed from the top of Aaron's head to his outer robes, to the outer borders of his garments, that same dew flows from the north to the south, covering all of the territory. There's something powerful here about the the, the dew that covers both places. That means that the, the presence of God and the power of God is never isolated. That what happens in you is never meant to stay in you. That the change in you is never meant to stay in you. And that what God is doing in one place, that he can do in a different place. Somebody needs to catch that, that the same dew that fell in one place, 200 miles falls somewhere else. So you cannot say, I must be doing something right. It is not you, it is God that pours out. And there's a selflessness that happens when we say, I I can't take credit for the increase. This dew, this is fascinating, this dew is actually what causes the vegetation to grow in this region. It's a desert land, very, very dry, very little rain. And they say when you get up for a morning dew in this region, a lot of times it looks like there was a downpour. God, knowing this would be a desolate place, provided a different way to resource the vegetation and the people there. And so this literally was life coming from the heavens to produce life on the earth. There's unity, there's, there's harmony, and it says refreshing as the dew. Here's where I want to get to when it comes to our relationships. There's life that needs to happen in our marriages. There's life that needs to happen in our friendships. There's life that needs to happen in the mission and the relationships of Action Church. But far too often, we are concerned with what we need and what we want. We're far too concerned with the external. I need you to hear this today. External things always separate. Go to the very basics. Male and female, what's on the external separates. Skin color separates. Socioeconomic background separates. What's on the outside separates. Wardrobe separates. Your, your, Your hair color, you are different than the person next to you. Maybe you have more hair than the person next to you. It separates. It separates. What's on the inside of every believer is what unites us. That the same spirit, the same presence, the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in every single one of you. So we get this. We do not find unity and harmony. We do not find great relationships by working on the external first. We find great relationships by working on the internal through the presence of God. Catch this. Hold on. Don't clap yet. The dew did not come from the people or what needed life working it up. The dew came from heaven. I'm here to tell you today what will change your family, what will change your relationships, what will change the mission of Action Church is not what we can work up from the ground, but what we can call down from the heavens. And there's a perspective and a power and a filter that we need the presence of God. This relational ingredient is just way more spiritual than you think. And with that filter and with that framework, now we can start working on the external. Because how many of you know an internal change doesn't change anything until it's lived out externally? James says that faith without action is dead. So you can, have, you can have a faith, but if it doesn't produce action, it's not real faith. We can have unity and harmony and honor, but if we don't begin to do some things different, the people closest to us will never receive the benefit of the inward change. So how? Here's how, here's how we do it. Here's the, here's the how-to, if you will, to get honor and unity in the mission and in our relationships. We, see, we have the goal 
of, of a healthy church. We have the goal of healthy relationships. We need a how-to. And so we have the ingredients. We have all that we need here in, in our life. But we need, a, we need a plan. We need a how-to. So, so I brought, or somebody brought, because this can't be me. This is plant-based cooking, which is great <laughs> based on what's up here. But very, very unfulfilling. Um, just in general, not mean to offend anybody. I just... Just actually, I am. Like, I just, I just love some steak. Like, I just, but here's a plant-based cooking book. See, we have ingredients. So we have what we need with, with honor and unity. But if we don't have the steps to follow, we'll never get the desired result. So we can come to church. We can go to the grocery store. Catch this. You can buy all the ingredients. You can have your shelves stocked full of all of the right ingredients. But if you never cook anything, you're never fulfilled. If you never take the steps in the recipe, you're never gonna get the desired result. I wanna give you three steps in our recipe book today for healthy relationships. Go back to 1 Thessalonians 14. 1 Thessalonians 14. It says, uh, warn those who are lazy. This is correction. Write this down if you're taking notes. Correction for growth. First recipe for a healthy relationship, a fresh ingredient, correction for growth. We need to be people of correction. If you're doing the correcting as a friend, as a spouse, uh, as a coworker, if you're doing the correcting, you need to choose the right setting in which to do that. It's probably not in front of a lot of people. It's probably not using the words like you never or you always. Just, just get in front of a large group of people and say, you never, that's not gonna work. If you're doing the correcting right setting, if you're in healthy relationship, if you're receiving the correction, your job is to have the right response of honor and unity and humility that I want to get better. Can I just tell you something? Good friends and good churches always correct. It's not easy. In fact, it's difficult. Confrontation is hard, but without correction, we never get better. You ever had a good coach? Like the, the best coaches are the ones that you get angry with every once in a while. You're like, I don't like that guy. I don't like that girl. They were right. Now, it may take a little bit of lie. There's, if I had a dollar for every person that was like, I, don't, I think you're wrong, and they come back like, no, you were, you were actually right. <laughs> Thank you. Now, she's like seven times of saying it over and over and over again, but correction is tough. Here's three things about correction. Write this down if you're taking notes. If not, let me correct you, and then you should be taking notes in church. <laughs> correction, correction should be consistent. Consistent. Think about raising your, your kids. Think about training somebody in a new work environment. Correction should be consistent. Catch this, correction should be concise. We don't need a lecture. Just need a couple thoughts. Come on, guys, if your wife starts giving you too long a list, you're like, I got lost about halfway through. I don't really remember. Like 14 things, I'm done. I'm overwhelmed. I'm gonna keep doing exactly what I'm doing. No, con concise. Give me a couple things. I'm stupid. Remember week one, keep it simple, stupid. With correction, keep it simple, stupid. Just a couple things. Keep it concise. Here's the one that Christians struggle with. Correction should be clear. 
clear. Write this down. Clarity over Christian. Because we try and be too nice with our correction. You know, I just saw, I just saw that you were doing this, and I know you're doing great, though. Like, you're really great, and God is great, and we're all great, and we're really taking this together, and I'm just so proud of all that you're doing. But if you ever think about working on just one thing, not that you really need to work on it, like, but every once in a while, if you're thinking about working on anything, I just think that maybe as you think about it, you should try. Man, but isn't, isn't it just awesome? And they're like, what the heck are we talking about? Like, I know you're disappointed, and I know that you're sweating, and I know that you're a little red-faced, and I'm pretty sure I'm in trouble right now, and you're trying to tell me something, but I have no idea what you want me to do. Have the boldness and the courage. Get this. Have the love for your fellow brother or sister, spouse, Christ follower, to be consistent, concise, and clear. The best correction, the best correction is invited. It's invited correction that I'm gonna invite people in my life to make me better. If you don't have anybody in your life that can tell you you're wrong, you are in a dangerous place. We need correction. It is a recipe for healthy relationships. It says encourage. Everybody say encourage. encourage. This one's more fun. We're gonna get there. Encourage those who are timid. Write this down. Encouragement for perseverance. I was talking to our teaching team this week and I, I really wanted three C's. We have correction, we have, we have compassion. So I just decided to take this one real Birmingham, Alabama. So it's correction, encouragement. Just need some encouragement. That's terrible. Look, Charles Barkley, come on, he's from Birmingham. Encouragement, encouragement. Need some encouragement, perseverance. Life is tough and I need to surround myself in relationships with people that are gonna affirm, affirm and encourage. We talked about this before, that if you see something, say something. Like if you see somebody doing something good, tell them they're doing good. Hey, I, I noticed that you, you, you did this. Hey, I noticed that you're doing something with your hair. I noticed that you're, you're, you're dressing different. I noticed that you went to the gym. I noticed that you got a promotion. I noticed that your kid's on the sports field. Maybe dad's in here. Maybe encouraging your kids a little more on the sports field instead of correcting them as much. Maybe just see something, say something. I noticed this. I was talking to Pastor John Evans this week, and they have a family value. Leave no positive thing unsaid. If you see it, say it. If it's negative, think about it. If it's positive, say it. Well, I, don't th I think they already know. They don't know. I don't care how confident somebody seems, a simple word of encouragement makes everybody feel better. We are all just trying to get by. You're thinking, no, I, I'm struggling. They've got it all together. Nobody with breath in their lungs has it all together. We're actually theologically on the process of sanctification, actually theologically speaking, like you don't have it all together until you get to heaven. So if you see somebody still breathing, they're still working on becoming more like Jesus. So they need some encouragement. How, how do we encourage? Encouragement should be intentional. Don't just say you're doing great. It was great, great message. What'd you like about it? Well, uh, middle, the middle part. Real strong in the middle. It's not encouragement. You didn't know what else to say. You did great. At what? Be intentional. Be specific. 
you know what I had to do for a long time, and don't tell anybody, like my wife sitting in the room or my boys or anybody that works for me, I had to put it in my calendar for a while until it became a, became a habit. Hey, encourage so-and-so. Speak life over them. Send this text. Just be intentional. It will begin to become habit, but it may not be easy for you, but just because it's not easy for you doesn't mean that it's not a healthy recipe for relationships in your life. It needs to be intentional. It needs to be specific. Here's the last one, compassion. Show tender mercy, tender care, compassion for healing. We need correction for growth. We need encouragement for perseverance. We need compassion for healing. That's why I love what happened yesterday. Our reach day was unbelievable. How many of you were, were serving at reach day yesterday? Come on, give me, a, give me a show of hands, a shout, clap of praise in the house of God. Just wanted to say that one time, just clap of praise. I don't know what that means, just clap of praise. Reach day was phenomenal. It poured rain all day yesterday. It was freezing, and we still had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at every single location serving their community. Why? Because people need to know that God loves them. People are hurting and need healing, and there is something when we give without expecting anything. There is something when we show tender mercy to those who are hurting. There's just something that happens. And I could share story after story after story, and we'll have videos coming and testimonies coming of just life change from nursing home encounters where people just felt like they were forgotten and we were able to tell them that they are still alive, that they still have a purpose, that right here where they are, they can still be reached for Jesus. We had this one lady in Sanford named Trina over the past couple weeks with a different outreach, but the same heart where she came up and she said, Action Church, and Action Church, you buy my gas, you provided Thanksgiving for my family, you tutor my, my boys, we got Christmas because of you. I haven't made it to church yet, but I know that you love me and God loves me because there's compassion happening. And who knows if she'll ever show up to Action Church or a different church, but somebody who didn't know anything about church now has a proper view of God's bride, of God's house because of compassion. We're called to be compassionate. In fact, the scriptures tell us that when we serve and we love the least of these, the widows and the orphans and the single moms and the disenfranchised, that when we love the least of these on this earth, we're actually worshiping and showing love to Jesus himself. Compassion for healing. We gotta have correction, encouragement. We gotta have compassion. All sewn together, woven together with honor, in unity. I want to close this message with this thought right here. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 26. It says, greet all brothers and sisters with Christian love. Greet all, everybody say all. All, all brothers and sisters with Christian love. There's some unity, there's some harmony. There's this idea, and we say it all the time, I need you to catch this today, that we're just, we're better together. Like in our homes when we're together, in our families when we're together, in our teams when we're together, in our small groups when we're together, in our church when we're together, in our workplace when we're together, that we just treat all people like they matter. There's a perspective that needs to happen that we are fighting together, not against each other. I want to show it this way. I need, I need uh, eight to ten guys to jump on the platform. Just guys, you'll see why in just a second. I just want to be awkward. Eight to ten guys, eight to ten. Come on, you got stairs over here, stairs over here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I need one more, I need one more. Four, three, perfect, perfect. Come on, give them up to the come to the platform. 
Let's have you stand shoulder to shoulder right here on this line, facing this way, facing this way. Yep, shoulder to shoulder. And then you guys come, um, come right here, just on the side of this line, shoulder to shoulder, right across from each other. You guys look great, thank you so much. Shoulder to shoulder, get, get close, get close, get close. This is gonna be really fun. How many of you remember, you guys doing good? All right, great. How many of you guys remember elementary school or so playing the game Red Rover? Yeah. Come on, you sit over here. Red Rover, I'm gonna sit over here where the cameras can see me, got other locations. Red Rover, Red Rover, send Billy right over. And then Billy would come running, link arms, link arms. And Billy would come and he try and break through. Like I'm just gonna come as hard as I can and I'm just gonna get it. I'm never getting through that. Just, you guys are really, really strong, good job. You guys are gonna represent harmony and unity. You're gonna represent uh, healthy relationships. You're gonna represent the, the things of God, the people of God, uh, Christian marriages, uh, Christian homes, where, where homes that are centered around Jesus and in relationship, and then you, you guys are the enemy. And so, so sorry. <laughs> Just, it's what you are. And so in our life, in, in our life, we can, we can get distracted, we can, we can move forward, and we can get off kind of kilter or focus, if you will. But what happens is we're meant to be together. We're meant to be together. We are, we are better together. And the enemy, the enemy's gonna throw things at us, and what he's gonna do is he's gonna try and get us distracted by what's happening here. And so you're gonna have a problem with him and you're gonna, you're gonna start talking to him and focusing on him and, and I don't like how you dress today or maybe you look at him, you're like, hey, you wore shorts to church. Well, he's serving in kids. He's watching your kids later and so that's why. Like it's a, it's a zoo back there. And so <laughs> Tim's a zookeeper. And, uh, and we're, 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 we're distracted. And when we're distracted, we begin to, to look and isolate and we say, well, I don't like how you're holding my arm and I don't like how you did this. And, I, and now, instead of focusing on the enemy, we're now focusing on our teammates. And in a game of Red Rover, there are no individual champions. Like there's not an individual sport. Like the heart matters and harmony matters and you only win when you're together. But when I'm together, link arms again, and I'm in a, a small group of people, and I've decided that I'm gonna do life on purpose and on mission and, and unity and harmony and the local church and my family, you, you fill in the blank. What I know, because scripture declares, is that attacks are coming. Like Red Rover, Red Rover, the enemy is coming over. Would you try and come over here? Just one of you, come on, you know the game. Come on, go back, you know, just one, just one. You can't, you can't, you can't cheat. Enemy's a cheater though, I get, good, good job. Good job, actually, great job. If I'm focused, it doesn't matter. Like, let's just say you represent fear and anxiety. It doesn't matter how many times you come at me. If I'm focused on Jesus and I'm linked on with my brothers, you're not getting through. Now go back. It doesn't matter if it's adversity. Come on now, your turn, come on, adversity. It doesn't matter adversity with my kids. Like, you're not getting through because we're not focused on fighting against each other. We're fighting for each other. All right, now back. Come on, lost and suffering, it doesn't matter if you come at me because I'm focused on God and I'm focused on my brothers. Now go back. 
I'm out of examples. We got lost, so you just, you're doing great. <laughs> if we're hurting and we're disunified and we lose focus, then they're gonna get through and we're gonna lose. Because here's what happens, come through. If you break through, you break through, now in the game of Red Rover, you get to take me back to your side. So now I have lost a brother in the faith and now my team, my family, my church has less people because I got distracted and I got fighting the wrong fight. But if I'm, if I'm healthy and I'm solid, it doesn't matter what is thrown at me, I will stay strong. Now come back over one more time. Now if I stay strong, here's what happens. Fear, anxiety, doubt, loss, suffering, it can't get through, and once you can't get through, guess what you do? You join. So what happens is, the very thing that the enemy sent to destroy you and your family, now you get to use for his glory. Like he sent depression and anxiety to you, and now you get to say, I get to stand free and help other people. He sent loss, and now you get to help those who are grieving. He sent suffering, and you say, we suffer together. Like I'm gonna use it. And now we have a big team full of experience and testimony. And as we survive and are victorious together, we begin to look down a bigger line of people and say, hey, I remember when you went through that. We had your back. Now I'm going through it. Now you encourage me. Hey, I remember when you went through that. You need to meet so-and-so because they went through that. And now instead of being broken down alone, we're unified in harmony on mission together. And we're safe and secure in our marriages, in our family, in our church because we've linked arms not with perfect people but with unified people, anointed with the presence of God and when that happens life begins to spring forth in every situation can we give it up thank you thank you let's bow our heads at every location every head bowed every eye closed God we love you God I thank you for your word and God I thank you for silly examples like Red Rover to bring the word to life today that we are better together you are a God of relationship. And I pray everybody at every location would leave here today finding that. Take a step into relationship in Jesus' name. Now church, relationship with other believers, relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ, with the local church and small groups and teams are so important. But they are a next step because the first step is a relationship with Jesus Christ. God is a God of relationship, not rules and regulation. We're gonna pray in just a moment, but you're not praying to join a church. You're not praying to perform a list of do's and don'ts. You're praying to start a relationship with Jesus. Lived for you, died as you, raised to life, given you victory. The gospel is that Jesus did for you and for me what we could never do for ourselves. And all he asks for us is access to everything inside of us. Key word is surrender. That we surrender 
control of our life to the lordship, to the leading of Jesus Christ. What if you did that today? You started the most important relationship. You linked arms with the most important person you ever could, and that is Jesus Christ himself. If that's you today, Winter Park, Oviedo, Sanford, watching online, say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Today is my day of salvation. I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. For the first time, or maybe by recommitting your life today for the first time in a long time, would you raise your hand right where you are? Say, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm tired of doing this alone. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being in control. I need a relationship with Jesus. Got one, two, three. Come on. Anybody else? Say, I need Jesus today. Yep, gotcha. Proud of you. Come on. Oviedo, raise them high. Sanford. Holy Spirit's moving your auditorium as well. Proud of you. A couple more moments. Anybody else? You put your hands down. If you raise your hand, pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And today I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. And I'm giving you that place, complete and total control. God, have your way, have your way in my life. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. God, I pray for all of us today. God, I pray that we would add some fresh ingredients, some recipes for healthy relationships and give us opportunities this week to receive correction well, to encourage those closest to us and to show tender mercy, compassion for both strangers and those close to us that are hurting in Jesus' name. God, we love you. We thank you for meeting us here. In your son's name we pray. Everybody said amen. Action Church, can we celebrate all the decisions? Come on, celebrate them.